Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Let praise lift up to the Lord in this place. Thank you, Lord God, that you're the chain breaker. Thank you that you're a freedom maker. Thank you that you're a gift giver. Thank you, Lord, that you're the lover of our soul. Thank you that you're the savior of our life. Thank you that you are the corrector of our wayward ways. And yet you do so with gentleness. And you do so with love. You do so with righteousness. You do so in truth. And by your spirit, you are present in this place and in each one who claims the name of Jesus Christ as Savior. We thank you and praise you this morning. In that very name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Hallelujah, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. What a blessed time of worship. And uh, there's more to be said about that, and the Spirit has has seen to that, and so it shall be said. But right now, I want to share with you some of these praise reports, like what Pastor Henji was talking about. First of all, yesterday in this place, 35 or 40 young women gathered together with every bit as much sincere worship to the Lord in our by grace gathering of young women. And uh, I mentioned in the first service how grateful we are to Sister Catherine Pagiel for really spearheading that and bringing it to pass. And the entire team that worked with her in media and worship, grateful to Cross Culture Church who shared generously of their worship team and came and led worship and did a beautiful job of it. And it was wonderful to partner together with uh, brothers and sisters in the kingdom from other local churches. So that was such a blessing. I was blessed to get to speak. Uh, Dana Callett spoke as well. And there was a wonderful atmosphere indeed of grace in this place. And I think something of that atmosphere of God's grace has lingered for us today. So that was a a special event. Thank you for your support in prayer. And I want to encourage you in knowing that there were many young women whose lives I believe were indelibly touched yesterday. And I certainly was touched by being here too. Likewise, uh, we had a faithful group show up yesterday morning and walked through the neighborhood, not only spreading flyers about our upcoming event on February 23rd, Saturday, right here in this place, a break every chain event. But not only did they spread the flyers, they spread the word of the Lord. They met and prayed with people. They talked about what PCF is here for and what we believe and how we want to reach out to our neighborhood with that truth and that gospel and draw people in who are looking to meet the Lord, who are looking for the need to be met that only God can meet, for healing, for deliverance. It's a powerful event that is coming up on the 23rd. And by the way, this coming Saturday, there will be a group that does the same. So if you were at the meeting and have signed up to do that, just want to remind you, please be here at 8 a.m. this coming uh, Saturday. That is the 16th. Uh, and if you didn't sign up but you'd like to be part of it, just just come on down. Just show on up. And you can be part of that team. In fact, I'm going to – I haven't talked with Sister Tammy about this yet, so – Here's a little news for you. I hope this is okay. I want to consult with you. I have deep respect for our registrar of Praise School of Ministry. But I'm thinking that later this year, I'd like to teach a class on prayer walking, a practicum where we actually do some prayer walking. And I want to, I want to share with you in part why I think that's important. In fact, this past Thursday night, we were having a rehearsal for the Break Every Chain event. And the artists who are going to be sharing of their talents on that night, Joanna Garcia, Sis Gigi, and uh, Pinky De Leon and Nair De Leon were here and some of the media and worship team. But it was just a small group here on a Thursday night. But it so happened 
that there was a gentleman that came in that evening. He had contacted the church earlier in the day. And I want to tell you what he said. But before I do, before I tell you what prompted him to come in, I want to share with you what I've been doing as I've been prayer walking around the church in these past weeks since the beginning of the year. I've been praying that the Lord, first of all, would bless every home and every family around us, every business with the blessings of the Lord and the good things of the Lord and the guidance of the Lord. I've been praying blessings on other churches that are in our neighborhood where the name of Jesus Christ is lifted up. I've been praying for peace and safety and sanctification, but I've also been praying, Lord, bring people in who are ready to connect with you and your people. People who are looking for a church home, bring them into PCF. People who are ready to hear the gospel and need to hear the gospel, draw them into us, Lord. And, and Lord, people who maybe walked with you and have walked away, bring them back. In other words, in every situation of life, anyone who is in need of connection with the body of Christ, I pray you would send them in. And on Thursday night, this brother came in and said, you know, I live in the neighborhood. I live close by and the Lord put it on my heart. You need to go to that place and I need to get connected again with the body of Christ. It's been a while and I want to do that. And this is the place that God brought me. And I went online and I looked at your pastors and I looked at the material and I watched sermons and I know that the anointing of the Lord is there. And I want to tell you, friends, that is fruit. That is fruit. And in fact, that brother's with us this morning. So praise God for that. And I am so grateful to him for his faithfulness to answer the voice of the Lord. Your prayers matter. And going out into the world around us and praying in that way is powerful. And inviting people in is powerful. And I believe there's going to be a powerful release on February 23rd. So prayer walking is a class I'm thinking about teaching in upcoming times. But if you look at the back of your bulletin, what you'll see is starting March 3rd, Prayer School of Ministry is back in session. And I'm going to begin by teaching on Christian leadership. And I'm asking everyone who leads in a ministry here at the church to participate in this, if at all possible. Even if you can't come to every session, come to whatever you can, because it's going to be an important time for us together to talk about what it means to lead and influence in the body of Christ. That's from 2 to 4, starting March 3rd, and then from 4 to 6 on the same date, starting at that time, Pastor Chris Callen will be teaching on Christian discipleship so that we can not only go deeper in how we follow Christ, but we can also reach stronger and better with how we lead others into the pathway of discipleship. It's going to be a great class. He's got great material. I hope that you will pray about participating in both of these classes because I think they're going to be really vital. And I also know that you are focused in prayer on all the good things that God is doing in our midst in this season, and there is so much that's going on. Um, I did not even mention to uh, the, the uh, pastor I'm going to call up onto the platform right now, and this is, a, this is a confession to you. You might think you didn't even mention to him. In our conversations, it didn't even come up that we were having the February 23rd event. But I had asked Pastor Chris Stanton to be with us this morning because, as you know, Pastor Chris is familiar to our congregation. He helped lead our team to inner, uh, minister to inner city needy in San Francisco and uh, a house building team to Mexico. And he's a dearly beloved friend of mine. We've been to Morocco together. We're planning more trips to come. Um, Pastor Chris, not only the head of Mission Bridge and a pastor and a missionary with decades of experience, but in this season of his life, God has given him a particular focus to enlist partners for praying for North Africa, that region of the world that God has particularly focused him on in these years. So I asked him to come today and share about that. But as we were in the worship, 
the Lord spoke some things to him that really affirm what the Lord has spoken to me and maybe to you too. So I'm going to ask if you would welcome Pastor Chris Stanton to the platform. And I know he has a word of the Lord to share with us. I was in the first service. It was an amazing service. It was extraordinary. It was excellent. It was full. It was the spirit of the Lord. And then I came into this service. This service was like a rocket ship that went up into the heavenlies. And we're, we're floating still in the heavenlies now. And I said to pastor, don't wreck it. You know how we are. So we're still there. We're still there. And in the spirit of that, I was in a church last night whose capacity consistently is 10,000 people. And it's extraordinary to be with 10,000 people. We worshiped last night on the stage, our studio musicians and those type of people. The sound is incredible. The worship and the spirit of God was strong, strong there. And I sat right there in the front row and felt the exact same strength. The exact same strength contained in this room. It is the same spirit working amongst the same people. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, I'll leave it at that. That's point number one. I'm in another church next week. I want to come back here, but you just got to do what you got to do. Okay. Number two. I didn't know anything about the seminar, the uh, breaking off, say it. Break every chain. Oh, we sang that song this morning. Oh, Lord, I get it. That was the hors d'oeuvre. The dinner's coming next week. <laughs> Got it. So I walk in, I see the poster, and I think, oh, there must be some other, somebody rented the church to have a conference here. And then I see Pastor and Hazel say, oh, it must be their car. He didn't say a thing to me. So I'm sitting here after running, uh, experiencing the presence of the Lord, and this is what I have. This, I'll give it to you straight. The seminar next Saturday, two weeks, the seminar says, will be a cure for what ails you. To the bigger church, the cure for the bigger church, and the cure for you. And don't think about when you come, oh, I want to, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? You just come. Don't worry about what happens. You come and sit here, it'll do. The Lord said it would be a cure. It will be a prescription of wholeness. But I've been at this for 44 years, walking with the Lord. It only happens if you go. It only happens if you get out of your bed and you go there to the place where the Lord said, I'll be there. And this is what he's saying. And then he, he said to me, uh, it will be a moment of turning course you get here with you don't worry about what goes on up here and, and engage in it do it but it's you coming it's the lord himself and it will be a day of the lord Hallelujah. okay Hallelujah. so i go and tell pastor you know pastor oh you don't know pastor like i love no pastor but then again i don't know how you know him so i love this man we have walked the Sahara Desert together. We have prayed together. We have cried together. We have rejoiced together. I know this man many, many years. Hallelujah. Who said we love him too? Just let me see my love life friends. All right. 
Do you know the Lord gives names occasionally? He changes names in the Bible. So I say to him, blah, 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 and he says, okay, you can go ahead and do that because I'm submitted. I go back there and he tells me this. He has a new name. I haven't even told him that. To me, he is Pastor Gideon. You got it. You got it. You got it. I'm sure the wave will come over here. I submit to you, Pastor Gideon, just in the spirit. You don't have to tell anybody about it. You don't have to repeat it. Just watch it. Pastor Gideon. God said there were 3,000 around Gideon. He said, "Mm -mm. I'm cutting them down to a small number of 300. Cut them down by 90% and said, now, 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 I will use them. And I will change places. It ties into two weeks. It ties into being here, the presence of the Lord. Okay. All from the Lord. I said to him, I have one more thing, but I didn't tell him what it is. So please cooperate with me because I feel it. As a, you know what a prophetic action is? Yes. You take an action. You move from where you are. You do something. You did this. I felt it. And I thought I was free. Anybody see me up here? Anybody look? I'm free. But doing that frees you, the prophetic action. I'm going to ask you something to, to do that you're not supposed you're not supposed to do them. No, he does because people get so fussy about it. I would like to create, because of the Spirit of the Lord, what's called a campfire. You know, when all the logs come together, the, 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 the heat is heater. I didn't say that, right? The fire is hotter. I felt the Lord say, go ahead, for just five minutes, for what I'm going to present. Forgive me over there. Forgive me over there. I would like you all to come right here in the campfire. Could you all come? No, just st- no. you stay in your seats. Just you people come over and fill up these seats. And I'll let you go back. I promise. I'll let you go back. I know I can feel the, ir- the resistance even now. Just do it because I'm a guest in your house. Just do it. Please. I submit it to you. This is the place, and you are the people. I've been around. I've been to places. It was wonderful here this morning, the presence of the Lord. And it will be wonderful two Saturdays from now. Something is going on. You don't like these people over here? You don't want to sit with these people over here? You're doing good. Thank you. I promise I will let you go back. Here we go. Oh, I guess I, I, I guess I just. Oh, Hinge, did you do what you were supposed to? You haven't done it. Okay. I have a gift for you. Now we're going to start why I came. This is why I came. I have a gift for you. Pass it out. And please, Hazel, help him. Mrs. Hazel can help him. And uh, Ricardo, you can help him because we'll never get to everybody unless we have. It's a gift. I'm sending you as a missionary. I am giving you a map, a map of North Africa, my country, my people, uh, my destiny, my new promotion. The Lord has just promoted me from one country after 21 years to five countries. But I don't think he's going to give me 21 years. So we need to accelerate this. Let me begin with this. In pursuing the kingdom of God, there will come, on occasion, a mission and a project so unusual, it will even defy logic or predictability. You'll say, how is that going to happen? I don't know. 
But in March, I am going to begin with five experienced mission leaders and pastoral leaders. We're going to leave in March to go to begin a 2,700-mile journey into five nations, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, and Cairo. Over three years' period of time. Now, we're just going to start it. Other churches like yours and other mission organizations will take parts in it. And here's the map. You think, look at the map. Where's your map, Mrs. Hazel? Here's your map. There. You think Dorothy had a yellow brick road? Look at what we have here. That is the journey we're going to take. Because I have served in North Africa 21 years, and now is the time. Now is the time to pray for North Africa. And I haven't come here to ask you to come to the journey. I've asked you for one thing, that you will pray. We open up that card and see what's inside. It's called the Good Will Prayer. Open that baby up. There it is. All right, wave it at me when you open it up and see it. I want to see the wave. This is the holy wave. No, you, got the you don't have the prayer, ma'am. You still have it. You're still looking at the map. Oh, you have the prayer on the other side. All right, good. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. That there will be initiation. I'm asking for 10,000 people in the next three years to sign up and to pray this prayer for one year as often as they can. You take this and put it in your Bible. Put it on your refrigerator. You can glue it to your head. You can put it on the visor in the car. But by faith, by faith alone, you'd say, I will pray this prayer. Now look at that prayer. Take a quick look at it. And we're going to pray it together. I will say the title, and with a loud voice, I want you to join me. Say the title and say it in unison with me. Here we go. The Goodwill Prayer. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, creator of all people, hear our prayer. Show your great mercy on, of North Africa. Bless her bread and her water. Show your love by removing hatred, violence, and evil. Heal her land, O oh Lord. Wow, you just took off. You left me behind with the prayer. If you would like to be one of the 10,000 people, I will do my part. I will inform you with reports uh, and briefings through the year, photos, two or three, maybe one or four, that you'll know I'm going to keep praying that prayer for the year. Now, this is what you have to do. You have to take that pen that Pastor Hinge has for you and fill out this other side that says your name. I need your email address to send you those reports, and I need the email address for you to be one of the 10,000. All 10,000 will be listed on an Excel sheet when people say, did you really get 10,000? Or is that one of those churchy little numbers? No. We will have registered 10,000 people. Be one of the 10,000. Sign up now. Now, go ahead. Take your pen. If you want, sign up now. In heaven, there is one minute of silence. I'm going to give you 10 seconds of silence to write that now. Go ahead. We're out again? We ran out. All right. History is going to be made in North Africa. Why? Not because of the journey, not because of the, because of the prayer. If we pray, God will. And all I'm called to do is to get the people to pray. He said he'll do all the rest. My job is to do that. Now, to do the holy tear. Not terror. terror. All right, if you feel that, take your card. Watch this. You got to take your card and go like this. Well,
Oh, oh, you're separate. Okay. You are separate. Good. We ran out. We printed these while you were coming in the parking lot. We ran out in the last service. We think, can I tell them? We think there was around 50 people in the last service. 52 cards came in. You do the math. There are angels all around. In this church in downtown L.A., something happened great. So, if you're ready, uh, if you're ready, push your cards to the center aisle and Pastor Collectum. This is Pastor Collectum. He's a great man, and we'll we'll finish up. Pastor Courtney, we've had a great day together, haven't we? Oh my gosh, may we continue for years and years and years. Amen. Jesus name. Amen. We uh, before Pastor Chris leaves the platform, we want to do something else, which is to pray for him. And for the 10,000 that are signing up, by the way, I want to make it clear, this is a beautiful prayer, but this sign-up is not just about just reading these words, and it certainly isn't about some totemistic notion that this is a magic prayer or anything like that. This is an expression of the heart of the love of the Lord towards people. But the commitment to pray is not only to pray this prayer, but to care about what God is doing in North Africa and to invest yourself spiritually in that process. And I believe that you probably sensed that as you signed up. And so, uh, in that, and by the way, I'm one of the 10,000. The, the, the prayer, I prayed for three weeks. Lord, give us a prayer. Give us a prayer. Three weeks I prayed. And in 60 seconds, he downloaded that prayer. Against evil, bring the love, bless them with their bread and their water, and fill them with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we, uh, we want to, uh, well, let me ask you this first. Reach your hands out to Pastor Chris here, indicator that we're asking the Lord to send blessings through us to him and his ministry. Father God, we thank you for Pastor Chris Stanton. We pray that you would strengthen he and his beautiful wife, Karen, and their entire family as they continue to faithfully serve you. Lord, provide for every need, particularly the trip upcoming to Tunisia with he and his partners. We ask, Lord, that you would go before them. You'd keep them safe. You'd open doors. You'd break chains. You'd light lights. You'd do all those great things of your kingdom that you intend to do in and through them in that land. And we also pray, Lord, that you would continually give uh, into this mission, more and more uh, partners who are saying, yes, I will pray. And that, Lord, by your spirit, you would keep it upon our heart and in our minds to pray and to pray according to your will. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing through Pastor Chris Stanton and Mission Bridge in North Africa, in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Gideon, it is an honor to serve next to you in your army. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you very much. That does have meaning for me, I'll tell you. And it meaning for me that goes way back, so I'll have to share that with you sometime. And maybe it could be a sermon. That's why I'm not going to share it now. Got to save that good stuff. Uh, by the way, I want to say, Pastor Chris Stanton, you are more than welcome to take your leave because I know you, um, you've been with us through the first service and are a little bit under the weather, so... Don't feel obligated. It's hard when you're in the front row. How do you just ease your way out? Now, by the way, you guys all moved, and you look beautiful there, I have to say. But if you want to return to your prior seat, you can. You are released. 
<laughs> I like having everybody gathered together like that. That's that's answer to my prayer. You know, before I went to the Philippines, Morocco was the friendliest nation I think I've ever visited. Morocco is a place where strangers open their doors to you. In fact, when Chris and I were in the old city of Fez, which is an old city indeed, not just the city itself, but the part of the city that is its oldest, where the youngest buildings are probably 1,500 years old and the oldest are thousands, the city that provided the name for that little hat, little red flat hat of a Fez. We were in that city once, 20 years ago almost, and walking through the narrow streets that are so so uh, tiny and tight that, that goods and wares are still delivered on the back of a donkey there. You feel as though it's Palm Sunday all over again when you go to the old city of Fez. And we saw a man there selling wares on a table. And, and within five minutes of our meeting him for the first time on the face of the earth, within five minutes he said, come to my house tomorrow, meet my family, we'll make lunch for you. And he did. And we had an incredible day spent with he and his children and his wife and they fed us beautifully and we talked about the Lord and it was an incredible experience. Now I have to say when I went to the Philippines I've met incredibly uh, hospitable people as well. So the Philippines and Morocco those are the most hospitable places I've been to. That's saying a lot. Do you know that North Africa in the first thousand years of the spread of Christianity was one of the strongest places of Christian faith? In fact, in the Western church, you may have heard of a very significant Christian leader and writer, and his writings are well worth reading still to this day. You may have heard him referred to as St. Augustine or Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, who came from North Africa, of Berber descent, and in fact ministered in North Africa. I believe that even though a thousand years have passed since the last time that North Africa was predominantly Christian, 1,500 some years or 1,600 years since the time of Augustine, that the seeds that God planted in that place will not go void. They will not return to him void. There is still a claim by the blood of Jesus Christ upon that land and a purpose in the spirit of the Lord for that place. God loves North Africa. God loves those people. And he wants his love for them to be in us too. It's true of every region in the world. But there's something powerful about getting specific about our focus. And that's one reason why I'm excited by this prayer. It's also one reason why I'm excited to share from the word of the Lord for you today. Because in this passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at, actually two, one out of the book of Matthew and one out of the book of Luke, but they are comparable, they are comparative, you are going to experience, I think, I trust, something specific about the purpose and the promise of the Lord available to us to live in the Spirit and bring forth fruit of the Spirit. This is the second in the uh, Fruit of the Spirit series that I started last week. And uh, you may be uh, thinking, are we going to get to talking about the fruit of the Spirit today? And indeed we are, but maybe not in the way that you expected. Last week we began in Galatians chapter 5. And that is where Paul makes his list, not a comprehensive list, but a characteristic list. In other words, it's not to be assumed that this is every attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, but that these, these ninefold fruit that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 5 are characteristic of the nature of God's Spirit when it is at work in us, when he is at work in us. And 
It has been noted before, and I mentioned last week, that where it describes fruit in Galatians chapter 5, in the original Greek, it is in fact singular. And the significance of that indicates that there is a commonality about the Spirit. In other words, while there are many different attributes, love and joy and peace and patience and so forth, it is all one Spirit working one outpour from us. Now, we began last week by looking at what Paul looks at first. In preparation for talking about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul talked about the works of the flesh. The diverse fruit of the flesh, which brings forth destruction and death wherever it flourishes. And the reality is that you and I are people who were made by God to be fruitful, but we are also people who have been freed by God to live according to our own will. That is, we have freedom of choice. So while we are bound to be fruitful, the kind of fruit that we produce really depends on what spirit we are in and what kind of seed is planted in us. And so today, in the second part of this extended series, I want to look at two parables of Jesus that are really one. It's one parable told in two places. The parable of the trees and their fruits, which shows up in Matthew chapter 7 in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and also in Luke chapter 6 at a different time, in a different place, during what is called Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. Now, the reality is when you see the same message of Jesus showing up at different sermon times, you can recognize Jesus operating in the classic way of an itinerant preacher. In other words, a preacher who goes from town and village around the countryside preaching essentially the same messages. Jesus, when he reiterates a parable in one sermon and then in another, you can recognize it's part of what I like to call his stump sermon. That is teachings that he repeated over and over again wherever he went because he felt, obviously, it was important for people everywhere to hear this. If Jesus wants to repeat it, I want to hear it again. If Jesus thinks it's worth repeating, then I think it's worth studying and studying deeply. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And in order to do that and to study it deeply, let's also open deeply to the Spirit of the Lord showing us what he wants to show us today. Father God, we come to your word and we wish to hear from you. We desire, Lord, to hear and to understand and to apply what the Spirit is saying to the church. Help us, Lord, to understand in you what it is to walk in the Spirit and how it is to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit, that we might cast down and cast out the works of the flesh and raise up the name of the Lord as your Spirit is fruitful in us. Amen. Well, given the nature of this congregation, it's likely that you heard about it. It wasn't that many years ago that it was something of a media phenomenon in the Philippines. They were called the My Way Killings. The My Way Killings. And when I describe to you what this media phenomenon, this focus on a, a spate of killings that occurred in the Philippines, when I describe to you what it was about, it's hard to know whether you laugh because of the ridiculousness of it or you flinch because of the ludicrousness of it, the craziness of it, or you cry because of the real tragedy of it because there was real violence and even people murdered. And it was in the context of all places of karaoke bars. Now, 
Karaoke bars can be very happy, fun places. But when you combine karaoke and drunk, that is a recipe for disaster. Now, not just in the Philippines, but around the world, at every karaoke bar on the menu, one of the most popular songs is that song made famous by old Blue Eyes himself, My Way. That's right. You know that they used to call Frank Sinatra the chairman of the board. His song, this signature song, was about a guy who went through every aspect of life and no matter how hard it was, no matter what situation was thrown at him, no matter what the resistance was, he stayed true to his own path. He did it his way. The irony of the My Way killings was that when people got drunk and wanted to sing My Way, not everybody could agree on what was the right way to sing My Way. Apparently, everybody wanted to sing My Way, My Way. And we laugh about it, but people actually resorted to violence and began killing each other over it. There were enough occurrences of that that it became noted in the media. I mention it because in reality, that attitude, my way, I want my way, it's familiar to all of us. Now, I've got a confession to make. I really love that song. <laughs> I enjoy Frank Sinatra, and I like the song My Way. And we can all enjoy the musicality of it. Although I read somewhere, it was a family member of his that said so. I can't remember if it was his daughter, Nancy Sinatra, or his wife, Barbara Sinatra. But one of them said that Frank Sinatra secretly hated that song or grew to dislike it intensely because everywhere he went, it was always expected of him. And he personally found the song kind of arrogant. That's a change of perspective. But you know what's an interesting reality? Artists often feel this way when they become famous for a song. Of course, Frank Sinatra had many famous songs. But when they have some song that is particularly well-known, they feel almost enslaved to it. The audience expects it. I remember hearing the story about the band that was famous for playing the song Freebird. And every other song they would play in their concert couldn't be heard because the crowd all the time was saying, Play Freebird! A song about being as free as a bird, and yet they were beholden to the crowd. The crowd wanted it their way. We want what we want from you. In my devotions this week, personally, I was reading at the end of the book of Matthew where Jesus comes to the cross, goes through the trial before Pilate, faces the Sanhedrin and the viciousness of the crowds and the Roman guards. And in fact, in my family devotions, we're reading in John the same place. So I was getting sort of the Dolby surround experience of Jesus's passion. And I noticed how everybody involved in that situation, except one, was bent on their way. The Sanhedrin and Caiaphas wanted my way. And Pilate, he intended to do things his way. And the crowd, what they wanted was their way. And they were ready to scream and shout for it. But only one was the one who said, not my will, but yours be done, Father God. And that was Jesus Christ himself. My way is not God's way. And as dearly as we might hold on to the way we understand things and the way we want to do things, when we do so, the works of the flesh are bound to come forth from us. And that murderous attitude that was seen in the karaoke bars, that is the attitude of my way, me first, what I want. And it will inevitably produce evil. 
but to lay down our life and our will and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That is God's way. As we talked about last week, God's given us the freedom to choose. God says you can choose your way. He doesn't cut any corners or hedge any truth about what that will result in. In other words, God says you can choose your way, but it ends in death. Or you can die to yourself and choose it my way, and it brings you life. There's myriad ways in which God says that. When he says, I set before you life and death. When he says, I put before you blessing and cursing. When he says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. When he says in the scriptures that there is a wide and pleasant road in front of all of us, but it ends in death. And that there is a narrow, hard to find path, which is his path. And few find it, but it leads to life. That's what he's saying. He's saying you have the freedom, but with that freedom, don't fall into folly. Let your freedom be to you the way in which you walk in the spirit. Don't let freedom lead you down the pathway to death. Because the desire of the flesh leads to death. But the desire of the spirit is contrary to the flesh. We're into Galatians 5 now. This is what we looked at last week. Therefore, you are not to live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And how does Paul say that we can begin to do that? Well, first of all, you're not to do it your way. Don't insist on my way. In other words, don't insist on your own way. You are not to do just whatever you want. You are to live according to the prompting of the Spirit. And so today, as we move forward, in preparation for looking at this parable of the two trees, and you can imagine that the two trees relate to the same kind of binary choice, my way or God's way, fruit of the flesh or fruit of the spirit. How not to live is to do whatever you want. In other words, do not live your way. Don't just make your own choices and do what seems right to you. Well, then how should we live? Live God's way. Do what God wants. Now, what is it that God commands? Remember when the scribe came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? What, what, what does God want most from us? And that's exactly right. Jesus said, all of the, the uh, scriptures, all of the writings and the prophets are summed up in this. Love God with everything. But now think about this. What does it mean to love God? Just to say, God, I love you. The scribes and Pharisees did that. No, what Jesus says over and over, and in fact, it's in the Old Testament too. God says from the beginning and always, if you really love me, obey. Do what I ask you to do. If you don't do what I ask you to do, no matter what you say, you don't really love me. And if you do do what I ask you to do, then even if you say it wrong, sometimes your heart is right. It's like the parable that Jesus told about the two men who served a master. The master said to one man, go and do this. And the man said, yes, sir. But he never did it. And Jesus said to the other man, go and do this. And the other man said, I'm not doing that. I do things my way. But later on, he was humbled and he went and did it. And Jesus said, which one obeyed the master? Which one loves God? The one who says, oh, Lord, 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 but then does their own thing? Or the one that says, there's no God, or I hate God, but then is brought to their knees and says, Lord, 
Not my will, but yours. That's the one that Jesus says really loves the Lord. The one that will do what God commands. But then we might ask, okay, what does God command? Okay, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord, obey the Lord. But Jesus says, love the Lord, and the second is exactly like the first. Make an equal sign in front of you. Draw an equal sign. Before. Take your finger and just draw that equal sign. Loving God means loving others. Loving others. That's what Jesus said. Do unto others. Loving God equals the, the golden rule. Equals means they are the same. But now wait a minute. Bear this in mind. Loving others doesn't mean loving them into doing their way either. Loving others means loving others in the love of God. See, loving others doesn't mean just giving people whatever they want or doing whatever pleases other people. It means loving them in the truth of who God is. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 7. Do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you. Now, as he's giving this part of the sermon, he's preparing for the parable of the trees that we'll look at. This is the essence, loving others, is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The road to destruction is broad. That's when you follow my way. It's big and easy, brightly lit and happy to go down it. And many choose it. But that way lies death, destruction, and the works of the flesh. But the gateway to life is narrow. It's small. That road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. In part because so many people are bent on my way. They're not even looking for it. But if you look for God's highway... It's not easy to walk, but it can be found in the Lord. Now, Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. What is he talking about here? He's talking about people who know how to look good on the outside, but don't live according to God's way. And you know what makes them innocent like sheep? They say, let's do it your way. Let's give you what you want. They make themselves look like they're interested in what's good for you. But all the time, what they're really interested is in their way, what they want. And Jesus says, that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's no good to just try and love people in a way that manipulates them into doing what you think is right. Because that's being a wolf in sheep's clothing. Amen. How can you tell them? How can you recognize them if they look like they're good on the outside? Jesus says, look at what comes from the inside. Identify them by their fruit. That is the way they act. Oh, well, does that mean, you know, if you go to a church where there's, like Pastor Chris Stanton was talking about, there's thousands of people. Is that the fruit? No. That's not it. How about if it's a famous Christian person with lots of uh, books and lots of Christian music and it's bestsellers? No, that's not it either. There's nothing wrong with that. I know and love some wonderful Christians who have huge churches, many books, or, or great songs. But the point is, that's not the fruit to look at because there's also people that have huge churches and lots of books and many songs, and they don't love the Lord at all. And their life doesn't reflect the Lord at all. So that is not the fruit. 
it, it has meaning, but it's not the fruit to look to. The fruit is what comes out of them in terms of what they say and how they live. The people that I know that I trust as faithful followers of the Lord are people whose hearts reflect the reality of God. Jesus says, whatever you are on the inside is what's going to come out. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush? Can you go to a thistle bush and get figs? Of course not. It's self-evident that whatever a thing is determines what it's going to produce. No matter what it might look like on the outside, whatever it is, is what it will produce. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Do you remember at the beginning of the year when we were looking at John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Every branch that abides in me and I in it, you'll bear much fruit. But any branch that does not bear fruit is what? Cut off, chopped off, gathered up and thrown into the fire. It's the same message. Jesus is repeating it. We should believe it. We should believe it. He's saying it out of love. He's saying it in warning. He's saying this is a reality. Don't let it be true of you. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit and you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And what is God's will? That you bear much fruit. So really, only those that bear fruit. It's not because of your bearing fruit that you're going to enter. Your fruit proves that you're already there. You see? Now, I want to caution us against the error of thinking that that means that we can therefore judge people harshly. And in fact, the next time that Jesus makes this sermon in the book of Luke, he's going to get to that point. Here in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is telling us how to talk the truth, how to speak the truth in love. Doing unto others means not just giving them what they want or saying what they want to hear, but speaking the truth of God in a loving, honest way. That is the truth. Ankara Tohanan, I find that so hard to say. Katatohanan, the truth. Speak the truth in love. That's what you want, right? You want the truth. Now Jesus in Luke chapter 6 is going to talk to us about angda'an, the way, how to walk, how to walk in the way of the Lord. And what's important is that you and I are not blinded to our own sin, especially if we're so fixated on the sin of others. It's important that we beware Not just looking at what people look like on the outside, but actually judging by the basis of what comes out of their heart. But we also need to recognize this. Before we can consider the speck in someone else's eye, we've got to look at the log in our own. Here in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, can the blind lead the blind? This is not meant to be offensive against blind people. It's just a simple statement of fact. If one person's blind, they're going to lead the other person off the path. Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And so why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Will you take your finger and hold it at arm's length from you? Look at your fingernail there. It's a pretty small little item, right? 
pretty small. That's not going to block your view. But now, bring it close to your eye. In fact, close the other eye until you're, you can totally block out the entire view with that little small thing, right? The point is not, you might think, oh, well, I'm okay. I'm off the hook. I don't actually have a log in my eye. And you know what? She really does. She's got a log in her eye. The point is anything in your eye is so close that it's huge. I wear contact lenses. If I have a speck underneath that contact lens, oh, it's a horrible feeling. I mean, you've got to get it out right away. It's like a huge boulder under there. It's not actually that big, but it's in a place that's so close that it can blind you and paralyze you with pain. And that's the way it is if you and I are not willing to look at ourselves first. It's easy to find fault in others. But if we are going to do unto others and speak the truth in love to others, then just like our conference was named yesterday, we will do it by grace. And we will also do it with this recognition. If I really want the work of the Lord to be done in the place where I am, I'm the one I need to look at first. In other words, the fault in me, in each one of us, is where we are most responsible to respond to the Lord. How can you think, Jesus says, of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. A good tree, wait a minute, now where does this come from? A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Tree is identified by its fruit. Here's something. Jesus is saying one of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruit of a good tree, is the willingness to be patient with the shortcomings of others and to be courageous in acknowledging your own. That's good fruit. Somebody that doesn't do that, that's bad fruit. No matter how well they can talk, no matter how good they look, if they're not willing to reconsider their own failings and to show some grace to the failings of others, that's not good fruit. Jesus says figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes aren't picked from bramble bushes. He makes the same comparisons. The treasury of a good heart is what produces good fruit. And the wickedness of an evil heart is what produces works of the flesh. Now, you, you know, don't make the mistake of thinking that any one of us just always lives producing only good fruit. And recognize that every single one of us has produced works of the flesh, right? We recognize that. This is a parable. It is a metaphor. And at some point, it does break down. There's nobody that's always producing good fruit other than, I suppose, Jesus himself. And there's probably nobody who only produces bad fruit. And everybody can recognize the responsibility of some sin in our lives. That's the reality that brings us to salvation. But the point is, who we are on the inside is going to dictate what comes out of us. What you say, Jesus said, flows from what is in your heart. So when, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Now think about this. If what you say flows out of your heart, then that's true of God too. God's word flows out of his heart. It's love and fruit flowing to us. But if we won't receive it or we don't believe it, then how can his fruit flow out of us and grow out of us. So the truth is to speak the truth in love to others as unto the Lord. 
And the way is to follow God reverently and obediently so that we can live the life of fruitfulness that he has promised and prepared and intended and will bring forth. And so I conclude once again back in Galatians chapter 5. But now look at this. Notice this. We actually haven't left Galatians 5. Everything we've studied in Matthew 7 and Luke 6 is essentially here. Paul says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Then you won't be doing it my way. You'll be doing it his way. The sinful nature wants its own way, but that's the opposite of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants and can and will produce holy fruit in our lives. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed my way, their way, to the cross so that they can walk his way. So since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us follow the way of the Spirit. Let us live according to the truth of the Scripture so that we can find the life that is in Jesus Christ who himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what a spirit-filled life is. It is living in and by the spirit of Jesus Christ, his way, according to his truth, with the power of his life and his fruit being brought forth in and through us so that his ministry can be carried out, so that his kingdom can be established, so that his return can be completed. This is the way of the Lord. Walk in it. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we praise your name. Lift up praise to the Lord right now. Father God, we thank you that you make your way known to us. We thank you, Lord God, that you enable us to love even the unlovable. And we who are ourselves unlovable, you first loved us anyway. Even when we were at odds and enmity with you, you came and saved us. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are that pathway. And even though the gateway is narrow, it's you. You're the gateway to the sheepfold, and you're the good shepherd. Jesus, you usher us in, and you leave all to go searching for the one lost sheep. Thank you that you found us. May that love for finding the lost be in us. And Lord, we confess to you, We have logs and specks in our eyes. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to see where we are blind. Help us to acknowledge where we are in error. If there's something we're doing or thinking that's wrong or not of you, show us, Lord. And Lord, help us to be loving towards others without ever sacrificing your truth. Help us to speak the truth to others without ever offending your love. Give us the strength, Lord, and the wisdom to recognize falsehood. And give us also, Lord, the power of your spirit by which to combat every work of the enemy. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the heavenly realms. Our battle is spiritual. So equip us for it, Lord. Father, if there's ever anyone 
hearing this in this room online or at any point and they're thinking you know I've been living my way and I really want to live God's way then part, touch their heart right now and friend if that's you I ask that you just make yourself available to God give yourself to him right now give him your life he gave his for you give him your life Say, I'm not going to do it my way. Maybe I don't understand. I'm going to start learning about your way. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get baptized if I need to. I'm going to follow up on the ways in which I can be a disciple because I want to live according to your way. If that's you, friend, just tell him that's what you want, and he'll do it in you. Maybe you've been following the Lord, but you've been walking your way. You love him, and he loves you, but you realize you've been doing things your way. And he's saying to you, in that gentle, strong way of his, he's saying, that's not what I want. He's saying, you won't be very fruitful going your way. You might be saved, but you won't be very fruitful. And I want you to have life and more abundant life. I want you to be a kingdom agent advancing the cause of the king. I want you to be fruitful. But you've got to give up your way and go mine. And friend, if that's you, just say yes to him right now. Yes, yes. Maybe you can say, I feel there's a great harmony between the Lord and I today. Well then, ask him this. Make me fruitful, Lord. Make me fruitful for you. Produce that fruit of the Spirit. Grant those gifts of the Spirit by which I can do the most good according to your will. Not my will, but yours be done. I tell you, certainly, every single one of these prayers is answered because each one of them is made according to the will and the way of God. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's been a blessed day at PCF, and I believe that there are blessings on the way as you go out onto the roads and the highways and the byways to carry the good news of God, to let people know that every chain is broken in Him. He's a chain breaker.